This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Balls Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and we got a full house today. Here in the studio, uh, we've got Evan Grant, we got David Moore, we got Benjamin running the boards back there for us. Look at Benjamin. All right, cool. So we've got so, with David. So you, so you didn't mean full house in a college. Admission scandal, <laughs> sort of sense. Well, it could be. I'm, you know, I'm going to just. Fess I was up thinking right now. more like in a poker sense, in that <laughs> it was me, you, and Benjamin, three aces, and then I accept that Kevin's one of the two deuces. The Joker. <laughs> I'm the Joker. No, I was going to say I'm, I'm confessing right now that we're paying forty thousand dollars a year to send one of my children to school, and that's just grade school. That's just. Oh no, it is not. No, it is not. I'm going to tell you something. It is expensive sending kids to college, as we all know. Breaking. Breaking news. Breaking news wow. from Kevin. This is cutting it. On this podcast, you can get information you can't get elsewhere. No, no. No, not really. I, he, Kevin is the master of the obvious. Yeah. My, my, I'd also like to say that my daughter, who is at a, uh, another college, which is a lot cheaper. <laughs> Why does it? So you don't value her as much? No, we don't. Uh, oh, my God. She's at a state school. <laughs> Ford's, Ford's not at a state school? That's a private school. Hendricks. Even though it's got state on the end of it? It does not have it. It doesn't have state. state on the end of it. It's Hendricks College. It's Hendricks College. Oh, I thought it was Hendricks. So you were thinking of Henderson Arkansas. State. That's yes, a different yes, place. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes. in Arkadelphia. Uh, Which is on the border of Arkansas and Philadelphia. <laughs> Olivia got thrown out of a, of a fraternity house the other day. Who did? Olivia. <laughs> Why? They, this is, it's, it's hilarious. It's a hilarious story, actually. She went over there, and, and they had a little, this little party, and then they uh, had invited several of the basketball players to come to the party. And then they decided that it was time for the basketball players to go. And so they, they, the basketball players called their Uber, and they were waiting in the hallway patiently for their Uber to come. And then the fraternity members were still mad that they were still there. And Olivia said, what are they supposed to do? They, they've called their Uber and they're waiting here. And so they said, okay, you're out. She was, she was suspended from coming there for like three weeks, I think. She was standing up for the peoples. Standing up for the peoples. Yeah. I like that. I like it um, our college story this week is Natalie has mononucleosis. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like a college disease, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she did not sound good Saturday night. Oh. Or, sun, or Sunday night, Saturday night, she was starting to feel bad, and so uh, we're dealing with with that. So um, that's been our college podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought you were going to tune in for final four coverage? Speaking of which, we're going to have our old uh, pal Tim Brando on to talk about the colleges. I, I consider that. him my pal. Now you may consider him old. 
You you wow. are into the age discrimination thing. Wow, wow. He's going to be great. So uh, what are we going to talk about here on the Rangers podcast? On the Rangers pro- podcast, let me ask you this about Adrian Sampson, who who came up and then pitched six that, innings. That's quickly. Yeah. He, he pitched six innings. Uh, Clearly the best performance by a Rangers pitcher this season. Is that fair to say, Evan? It was the longest any Rangers pitcher has gone, and which is significant considering – uh, there were four starters, and Adrian Sampson did not What's start not? any of the games. Um, <laughs> he pitched twice as long as the starter did. Yeah, I, well, I mean, yes. The and, and the deal here is, look, Drew Smiley was making his first start in two years. Uh, certainly there was a lot of energy um, for him. Uh, did not have any kind of curveball, and he was facing a team that's, that's really uh, disciplined at the plate. And... It just wasn't a great mix for him last night. Um, so, the, the second inning got him. Well, the first two innings he threw fifty-eight pitches. Yeah, it was thirty-six of them, I think, in the second yeah. inning. Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. just can't. He can't be going above twenty pitches an inning with regularity. So, so what is their what is their pitch count on him? Uh, I, it was going to be between eighty and eighty-five uh, this first time, uh, but I think they also felt, look, he's he's pitching with one pitch. He's about to face this order for the third time. Um, this is his first time out there. Let's let's cut it yeah. cut it off here, and let him get situated for the next time out. How did he feel about it? I think he. I, I think he. He. Um. I. I don't want to. You know, diminish anything. I think he felt fine. I think for him, you know, one thing he said after the game was, "I got to be honest. That results weren't going to much matter. It was for me. It was getting out there and being healthy and feeling good on the mound and." And that that's true when you're coming back from Tommy John, especially when you've missed two full years right. in the major leagues. Um, uh, have I mentioned this, by the way, that Drew Smiley looks like a young and slightly thinner Tony Romo? No. No. Yes, no. he does. And he's actually he, – he used to live in Grapevine um, up until 2017, and he's been mistaken for Tony Romo on a couple of occasions. Is that when he's wearing his uh, helmet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we had now. Here's what I want to know about Adrian Sampson. Uh, so how are they going to able to carry a reliever who's going to be throwing six innings? Well, I don't know if they will be right now. Um, I, I Chris Woodward indicated after the game last night that um, he thought that the bullpen would be okay. They've got Jeffrey Springs today to back up uh, to back up Shelby Miller, who's also going to be on a limited pitch count. They've got Jesse Chavez back again, but I, I also think that you know the manager the manager was a guy who sometimes had to shuttle between the big leagues and the minor leagues, and I think he's he's um, he's sensitive to that. But I also know the general manager is going to want to give him every possible reinforcement that mm-hmm. he can, and, and so the question then comes down to. Look, Samson's not going to be able to pitch again until Saturday. Right. Uh, do you need that spot before Saturday? And if you do, who do you go and get? And really, the only guy to get without having to make a move on the 40-man roster and exposing somebody to waivers would be Ariel Harado, who the Rangers don't really think is ready to pitch at the big leagues. So no. you're, you're in a little bit of a tough spot there. And maybe it works out that the Rangers decide, look, Samson pitched well enough that he deserves to be in this picture and we don't need to send him down right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to me to see. I don't know if he... If but that really would be a kick in the acorns, right? I mean, to come out and pitch six innings, give up one run, and it was on a, you know, 
a, a ball that left the bat at 60 miles an hour by, by Robinson Chirinos, um, do everything that you were asked, be incredibly efficient. Um, and then, okay, that was a nice day of the big well, ones. Well, yeah, and, and again, it underscores if the, the rest of the staff continues to have problems, say, over the next week to 10 days, and he's sent back, then it, then it just becomes – you know, a neon sign going, what are you doing with this pitching staff? The one guy who's been effective, you don't even have him here. What's going on? Absolutely. And I think what they're going to end up doing here um, is, you know, we talk about sometimes they'll go with a 12-man staff and sometimes they'll go with a 13-man staff. I think in reality it's going to be more like a 13-man staff and a 14-man staff because the 14th man will be the guy who's shuttling back and forth between AAA, and that'll be Sampson and Kyle Bird. Um, Adrian told me that he uh, uh, he got on a flight yesterday at 7 a.m. from Nashville, first flight out on a Monday morning, never a good thing to do, and the security lines were an hour long. And I think the best thing he can do for himself right now is probably sign up for TSA PreCheck because right. that nuclear probably, program he can get on He's that. probably going to be in that shuttle yeah. often this year. You know, the negative part of that is you're not on the big league club all year. The positive part is that, you know, he, he will get a legitimate Cruising, chance to yeah. pitch in the big leagues before the end of the year. And, again, you're going to – that's what you have to do now. You're, you're talking about your 12-man staff, more 13. It is going to be more 13 because you don't really know or particularly like what you have here. And when you're in that position – you have to throw more numbers at it rather than a, a lot of times. Well, and I think Kevin, you, I, I, I've been, I've been a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term, disappointed in the performance of the bullpen outside of Jose Leclerc to, uh-huh. to this point. Um, Jesse Chavez has really struggled in his first couple of outings. Uh, they, they just did not get any kind of length from the bullpen on days that they needed it, and that's something they're going to need early in the season with so many of these guys on limited pitch counts. Yeah, I don't think, if you look at the hits that Jesse was giving up, it wasn't like he was getting killed. Uh, it was just that he wasn't getting outs. You know, he was getting ground balls, but he's not getting outs. So, so I, I, uh, but you're right. They weren't effective, and, and that, that is a problem. And, and to me, uh, I look at this team, uh, and, and I want to see what the, the numbers say about this kind of stuff. What Chris Woodward comes from the Dodgers, where you know one inning, you know, guy's catching the next inning, he's playing second base. One inning, a guy's playing center field, the next inning, he's playing shortstop. I mean, it's just crazy the stuff that the the Dodgers would do to me. And it, and as much as I like Joe Madden, and I think he's brilliant, and I and I love you know being in a, in a press conference with him, is that. Uh, you know, he's constantly jacking with guys. You know, uh, you know Ben Zobris plays everywhere, hits everywhere, you know, in the lineup. Well, that's his value, yeah. It, it, you know, and, but what I want to know is that really all these moves you're making, these million moves you're making, are they really all – I mean, I, obviously you've got numbers to back these things up. I want to know how often some of these things are working because when which, you – Which moves are you talking about in particular with the Rangers? Well, like when, when uh, Logan Forsythe comes in to play first base, you know, and, and I – Well, he started that game. I know. That's what I'm saying. Well, he, he started I, the game. But, I mean, he's your utility infielder. It was a left-hander pitching. I think, you know, one thing that managers want to do is – and I think, again, Woody's going to be much more sensitive to this than, than maybe some others, but – you want to get all your guys into games as as quickly as you possibly can. You're talking about in the season. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that's what he did with with uh, um, Hunter Sp- uh, Spence, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence. When he when he when he did that, to, 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 you know, he's in t- the first 
two games they threw left-handers. You know, so I, I, I get that, you know, and, and, and it paid off, certainly. Uh, Hunter played well and did well. Um, but it, sometimes it just, it just feels a little bit like um, – I guess my point is is that you have to have people to cover all these positions, but you, you're going to have to cover up for this pitching staff. Yes. You've got – You're going to have to be used to a three-man bench on this team, and maybe even when you play against NL clubs under NL rules. And that's what I, I keep saying, that you know that last guy who's optionable in the bullpen, you're going to be switching those guys out as often as you possibly can to effectively give you a nine-man bullpen because at this point it looks like you're going to need it. Yeah, there's there's just so many guys that you got to cover up for. Right. I mean, you know, it's not like it, it'd be one thing. Last year was Mike Miner, basically. And then the other guys were it, just whether they would last. You know, these are guys that you have to cover up for because of of, of the Tommy John. So, uh, and that's why Miner only going through getting through four and two thirds uh, on opening day was not great. Now again, they got the off day on Friday, so right. so the bullpen was a little bit able to recover. Lance Lynn got through. Got through five and two thirds on Sunday, and that um, really wasn't good because that's what his his role is supposed to be—a guy eating up innings. And they gave him a chance to get through the six, and if he'd mm-hmm. gotten through the six, he would have pushed to pitch the, the seventh, but he just didn't get there. And no. you know, again, the same thing. The Cubs did a really good job. Chris Woodward mentioned this to me yesterday. The Cubs did a really good job against their pitching staff of using the middle of the field and being willing to hit the ball in the middle of the field to put the ball in play and. Um, you know they got a lot of ground ball singles that way. So and they were really smoking those too. Those it wasn't like they were just choppers going up the middle. They well, were the last hit that, that smoking um, the ball that that uh, that Lynn gave gave up was was just a, a routine ground ball up the middle. But I, when I'm talking about things like we're we're saying in print that well maybe Elvis should have caught that ball. That ball had to be going 115 miles right. an hour. Took a took a bad hop off of an infield that, that Elvis says is much harder than no it's that been that one was yeah that he shouldn't I mean that's that that's a miracle if he catches yeah. that um, so I, I'll just give you I, I think here's the look we knew this pitching staff was going to have issues whether it was with the starting pitchers or mm-hmm. the bullpen um, I think the the most important thing where the pitching staff is is concerned this year is that you're trying to a insulate some of your your up and coming pitchers like Taylor Hearn and, and, and right. Joe Palumbo and Jonathan Hernandez, Brock Burke, you're trying to insulate those guys. The second part with the pitching staff is you hope that one or two of these guys pitches well enough that if you do kind of of peter out as a, as a club, that you'll be able to flip them for something at the trade deadline. Um, but the most important thing I think of a development with the big league club this year is going to be the growth and progress of the young veteran hitters. And I do think that that the first weekend of the season uh, gave a lot of, of reasons to feel good about that process. I think Nomar Mazzara had, had some tremendous at-bats. Uh, Joey Gallo had, had two really good at-bats, uh, both of which you know contributed to winning games, and that's what he can do. He can change games. Uh, Delino DeShields showed, you know, after after two tough at bats by Forsyth and Jeff Mathis to really extend uh, to really extend Cole Hamels, the line with Shields jumped on a pitch and, and drove it out of the park. And I think Rugnet Odor, even though the results haven't been as dramatic as they were in spring training, I think he's had good at bats to start the year. Yeah, I think you've had all that, and then you had uh, uh, and Guzman went the opposite way on a home run, uh, which is always a good sign. Um, 
I, I think the uh, Guzman to me is the one outlier there, just because of the number of games compared to those other four guys. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, um, I just think the funny thing to me about watching uh, the, and especially the games that they played uh, here, they've they they took the series against the Cubs, mm-hmm. uh, and then they were they only lost two to one to the Astros, um, and uh, those were certainly all good signs, even though the Astros are struggling offensively so far. What's interesting to me is that. You got guys like Craig Kimbrell out there. You got you got uh, Dallas Keuchel still out there, and and the Cubs are short on relievers, and the Astros are short on starters. And here was one of their own uh, sitting out there, and now they're you know they're, they're they're forced to start Brad Peacock, who was great, you know, and, and he has been very good before, but that's not the role that they had intended for him all along. Uh, this is a it's a very strange time for me in baseball. Well, I mean the the the, the Keuchel and Kimbrell situations are are really strange and for me right now and i I like dallas keichel i've always thought he's a great competitor yeah uh but it'd be real hard for me to touch him right now unless it was a two-year deal where the first year was really really affordable for the club and the second year was something that would because i just don't that's more market value because i just don't think that you're going to get anything from dallas keichel this season until maybe August. Because he missed spring training. Because he's missed spring training. I, I know he's been throwing and throwing simulated games. It's not the same. But you're going to get a deal on him now. I mean, he's not going to say, oh, i got to have three or four years uh, now. He, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a Boris client, and they may hold out to wait to see who, you know, what, what team suffers a catastrophic injury and yeah. has to, you know, really react. But you're right. He's going to have to. And the other thing with Keuchel is, there's dra- I believe there's draft pick compensation attached. Is to there him. really? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, they're going to have to do something pretty soon, just because of what you said, because he's not going to be really ready to go until you Correct. know May, late May, June. You know, is when he would really be uh, going well at that point. And by and by that time, you you know that that, that that's still okay because if you're making moves uh, for the postseason, you won't really know that until then anyway. But uh, but they can't wait. They can't wait until the All Star break for him to to start pitching because that, that then he, then he's no good. He's gonna have to be he's gonna have to sign with somebody. I think within the next couple of weeks. But just a just a very crazy time in baseball. Uh, I don't get it. It, it. They're taking a the owners are taking a harder line on on stuff and contracts and you know it's just like the Astros getting Brantley for two years. That was mm-hmm. a, that's a great deal for a for a player of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. Anyway. But you had nothing to say about the growth of the young hitters. Oh, the, are the Rangers hitters? Yeah. Because uh, I think that's going to be the one measuring stick for this club this year. Uh, well, on the field. It's, it's one of them, yeah. I, no, mean, I, I think it's the. Well, no. The, I, mo- the most significant. I think, no. I think the second half. something out of pitching. I mean, you've yeah, got to see not gonna, You're not going to see growth in the pitching staff. Uh, you will. In the, you, you would hope to in the second half. You would hope that those guys come up to the big leagues yes. in the second half and pitch adequately i don't expect any of those guys to come up and dominate in the no. first four or five starts well, let me career. just say that if they don't come up in the second half and show you something yeah, that's, that's disturbing then it's been a it's been a step back yeah a, that's a then the season's a waste almost because they're not gonna first of all none of those guys is going to dominate anyway that's not who they are uh so they're they're going to be effective pitchers if they're if they're good and and what you have to see you're right is in the second half you're going to have to see these guys at least one or two, you know, Taylor Hearn, uh, Palumbo. I, I would see if, if both of those guys could get in the rotation in the second half and one of them is is really 
holds his own, and the other one's just okay, doesn't just get his head handed to him, then I think that that's a, uh, probably a success. Then, then you're talking about going into the next season and uh, and possibly building off of, of that. Well, and, I, and I, you mentioned Palumbo and, and Hearn, and I think those are the two most advanced. Um, but I think that, you know, if you talk to people inside the system, probably they believe Jonathan Hernandez has the best, the highest ceiling of those four. And Brock Burke made a really strong impression. So it would not surprise me if all four of those guys end up pitching in some way before the end of the season is over. So, would, would, so let me ask you that then. So let's say, you know, they, they, they make a deal and they get rid of, uh, of Minor and Lynn both. I don't, think they'll, I don't think they'll trade both of those guys. But, mm-hmm. but if, they, if they were to do that, so you got two holes in the, in the uh, rotation, would they slot – those two of those guys in there, or would they rotate them? Well, that, I think that would be the hope that they that at that point in time, they if both those guys show that they're ready, they're going to give them the opportunity. It's if they if those guys push to be in the big leagues, it's going to motivate the Rangers to trade, yeah, to trade those other guys, or with the guys who are on one year deals, you know, walk away from them at some point in time, yeah. So, but but so it would. It would not be a situation where we want to see all of these guys. We want to see four of them, as you were saying. If you if you saw four of them, I don't think it would be a. It, it wouldn't be a. It, there's no way it would be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would only be because the Rangers feel all four of those guys are ready to pitch. You could always go and call up if you're still trying to insulate those guys. You could put Sampson in your rotation. You could put Harado in your rotation. It's not going to get you. Uh, particularly with Harado, I don't think the Rangers would look for a whole lot of upside in terms of results, but the idea there would still be insulate, insulate. Yeah. No, I guess my point is, though, is that do you, do you foresee a time where, where, where three or four of those guys are, are actually in the rotation or just a couple of slots and then we'll just, we'll just rotate these guys in? I there? think the biggest question right now is, and, and I, I, I can't tell you that on this year, just because you know, turning over the rotation of four four guys in one year would be would be a lot, um, uh, but I, I would not be surprised to see all four of them pitch in the rotation at some point in time with the, before the end of twenty twenty um, altogether. I think the question right now, uh, the biggest question on Taylor Hearn is whether he profiles as a starter or a late inning reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, he did show a uh, in the game that I saw uh, he pitched against the big league club for Nashville. Up there, he did show um, much better secondary stuff, but it's kind of been inconsistent. Um, if, if that goes well, then it's going to teeter more towards towards starting. If it doesn't go well, then you're going to look at that guy more as a, a late inning reliever. I, I just, and I think that that's and, and I get that and I understand why that, that people. And talk the, about the other that. part of that is that those guys behind him. You know, if if he's a okay starter. Right, but he's got ups, real upside in the bullpen, and you've got guys below him, like uh, eventually uh, AJ Alexi and Kraus, and, and maybe Cole Wynn and Mason Angler. That whole group. If you've got guys pushing below him, then maybe it pushes you because of circumstances to push that guy in the bullpen. But, but, that's the other thing. Sometimes these situations, you actually accelerate your development by stumbling across someone you didn't necessarily expect to do something because you force them into a role and you see them. Sure. Succeed. And that's what, to me, that's the other thing they have to hope, hope is too soft of a word, but they, but they need to develop someone. They need to, uh, 
they need to have an unexpected development to this season, uh, I think, in the pitching staff to really to really move this forward. I think that would be true, but I think that that unexpected development is still liable unless unless it's Harada who takes a real unexpected step forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that development is still going to be at a you know at double A or below, um, and it's not going to show up in the big leagues this year, with the exception of hey, if any of those guys get to the big leagues and pitches with any success. That's that's what you're looking for. I, I realize that you know you, you just have to do what you have to do, but it would be a that's me, what I've always said. A, a disappointment if Taylor Hearn ends up being a reliever because uh, they gave up a pretty good reliever to get him. So it's like to me, it's it's a push on that deal. If he, I realize he's left-handed uh, and he and he throws hard for a left-hander, and I think that's all fine. And he's and he's younger, I guess. He's he's younger, more controllable, um, left-handed. Could be a starter. Uh, No, I I like the whole idea of the trade. Right. But I'm saying as a starter. As a starter, he's got more value than as a reliever for sure. But if he becomes becomes a, a, you know, a lights out left-handed eighth inning setup guy, there's real value in that. And I don't know how to say this, but the Rangers needed to move Kella. And I think that that, uh, you look at, at the Taylor Hearn makeup versus what Kella was doing. Um, in the clubhouse, uh, how's he getting along with everybody in Pittsburgh? Well, he's not talking to the media, but that doesn't matter. I mean, that, <laughs> seriously, that doesn't matter. We all bitch no. about it, but it doesn't matter if he talks to the media. No, I don't care. Um, it's one less guy you have to talk to. But uh, I, and he's not—he's not closing. He's pitching in a setup role. Right. He pitched in the seventh inning yesterday. Um, and, and the second part of that is the guy that they got as the second part of that deal, uh, third baseman, infielder, shirt and apostle. Um, Did he make up that name, by the way? I thought there was a store I, in a mall that I go to every time I see it. Shirt and Apostle. You go in there and you can get clothes and a Bible. Shirt and Apostle. But, but Shirtin has... Uh, Shirtin is what? For for certain, Shirtin... <laughs> what? Certain. Hey, keep he's going. got his No, keep going, really. He has, uh, he's made a good initial impression on, on the Rangers, um, and it looks like he could be... Um, one of those kind of ex- not on the pitching end, but maybe one of those expected mm-hmm. unexpected um, guys who moves quick. What is what is Shirton's background? He's I believe he is from Curacao. Really, I believe he. Yeah, I believe so. I'm going to look him up right now. Shirton Apostle. <laughs> <laughs> I he, yeah, he is from uh, he's from Curacao. Okay, all right. Shirton Wimbert Romero Apostle. Wimbert after Shirton Wimbert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by the names that that come out of, of some of these places. It, it, of, of the I'm influence, pro- Kevin. I'm not going there. That's You're not just, going there. No, I'm just talking about things like when that we just had. Sounds like well, you know, we gave all that money to Puerto Rico. It's not part of the USA. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about the things like when you saw so many Russian first names, like like Vladimir Guerrero. You know, that yeah. that when that kind of stuff happened, and obviously the influence of Russians in in that part of the world, and I, I think it is just fascinating to me how that's uh, that happened. But maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe it's not to you. Yeah, listen, Evan. Let me just set uh, that uh, one out, didn't <laughs> <he>? <laughs> Yeah, okay. sifting through. All may, right. may, I, may I ask quickly? May I ask a highly speculative question? Understanding this, but the attendance on Monday night. Do you consider that a precursor at all of what this season could be? Is that just, look, you had 
you had opening weekend, you had a Monday night game. Well, there, there's no, you know, school break is off, everyone's back in school. I mean, you're going to have some of these early. Let me put all the disclaimers on there, right? It's a Monday night in extremely early part of the season. Yes. The weather was not good on Saturday or Sunday. It was cold and it it, it forecasted to be Kids chilly. Kids are back from spring break. Everyone's night. back in a routine. But the 18,056 ticket stubs that attended last night's game was the lowest crowd the Rangers and Astros have drawn in Arlington in their 94 meetings. So Yeah, that's what surprised me. It's the Astros. Uh to me, yeah, there's there's something indicative. The Astros yeah. The Astros were here opening weekend last year, so it's it would be unfair to compare that to last year, but they were also here late in the season when it when, was yeah. the dead of summer and hot. And this was the lowest crowd for for those two teams in Arlington by three thousand fans. So I think you mean smallest, not lowest, because that lowest would imply that they were all no, sinking. they were small. People. They were all low emotionally too. They were, <laughs> and they were down. They were they were down. They were down. They were a little blue. Um, Here's something I did. say. I don't that. use words good. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not that. a good word user. You know, somebody who was at the game, and I don't know if you noticed this because I was watching it on television. You were, of course, were. I think you were at uh, somebody's birthday party. Um, Tom Hicks was uh, right there uh, in the in what in Anaheim would have been the uh, the Scott Boris seats sitting right there on the front row. When Sunday night, I think. Yeah, Sunday night for Sunday Sunday's game. Yeah, I did not notice that on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, he was there. Was he really? Yeah, front row. Couldn't miss him. I mean, you know, every pitch there he is. There's Tom. That's interesting. Yeah, that's. Really I haven't seen him at the ballpark in a while. When's the last not. time you? When's the last time you saw him at the ballpark? I thought about that, you know, on opening day. Like, uh, would we see him? Um, and I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw him there. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Does he still have a piece of the Rangers? No. Not any? No. Are you sure? Yes. Not even like a 1%? No. 2%? No. No. How many times do you want no. me to say no? 0.5%? No. <laughs> no, nothing? Nothing. He gets Zero. their seats once a, a year. I get that's a, that was the deal. I want to have a seat for one game a year on the front row. I mean, when you declare bankruptcy, yeah, they don't tend to let no, you no, have. No, no, as Tom will tell you, I didn't declare, declare bankruptcy. You know, re, you know, Tom Hicks Rangers Enterprises, whatever he called it, that declared bankruptcy. That was not me. That was my company. Correct. Yeah, but he was the owner of that holding company. <laughs> yes, and they don't usually allow you to. Other owners don't interest. usually. No. Uh-huh. Take that well. Anyway, anyway, it was just interesting to see. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Wacky you, world, Kevin. It is. It is a wild and wacky world. Uh, so let's go back over other owners. Is George Bush been on? Tom there? Hicks. I wonder he how did he get that name. That's an unusual <laughs> name. <laughs> Uh, George was out there. Uh, George, as I call him. Yeah, uh, the president was out there on Friday for the opener. Um, yeah. Uh. I don't recall seeing Tom Schieffer out there, and I think it's going to be a really interesting year for Tom Schieffer. Yeah. Um, be a little hard for Tom. Because, you know, the ballpark was his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it, – look, it remains a beautiful park, and the drive-up and curb appeal of all of the park is is great. But the fact that this, this place was built, and I guess out of necessity at that point in time, without being able to retrofit it um, – efficiently for air conditioning i think was the the one real 
It could have done it. It just would have been really expensive. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Without being able to do that efficiently. But I also think you're going to see. Not as expensive as building a new stadium. Yeah. Well, it, well, <laughs> that's true. But that, that's the thing, you know, that, that people. We're, we're seeing. I think. I think one thing you're seeing now, okay, is the lifespan of stadiums is going to really shrink because of technology. Um, because. Well, but you can build the stadium for the infrastructure to accommodate where technology is going. You would hope so. That's what AT&T Stadium did because mm-hmm. they, now they're going to like 5G and they had they had the infrastructure because they knew in 10 years they were going to be behind the other stadiums that were built. So how do you keep up? And it's right. going to be with technology, but you have to build in the space in order to update your infrastructure. And and a lot of these, and again, they're so expensive. That's why a lot of people don't, or, or a lot of franchises don't. You just can't, they're going, look, what we're going to, th- we're going to spend another $40, 50000000 million here for something we're going to get no use of for 10 years. We're just not going to do it. Well, and I will say this on, on, on AT&T. I mean, things where Jerry was out in front and that, that teams are now catching up with, um, the standing room area, uh, the, the the party pass or whatever mm-hmm. that's called, uh, a lot of teams are going to that because what they are finding is millennials yeah. like to stand and mill around. Um, like at music concerts now, they all go and stand at music yeah. concerts instead of sit. The uh, the um, the amenities being geared more as much towards clubs mm-hmm. as as suites. That's something you're you're going to see more and more of. Um, so I I mean th- that's you know. Oh, what Jerry did was, you know, be on the cutting edge. Um, but I always, as long as he's around and as long as that family's around, I think they're always going to be on the cutting edge. Well, here, here's the difference, too. Uh, Jerry wasn't going to sell the team. Right. And the, and uh, the Bush, Rowe, Schieffer bunch, they, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were building the stadium so they could sell the team. Sure. And, and, so, and so if you're doing that, you're not going to put, put in as much money – for, for one thing, how much did it cost to build the ballpark? That, the original ballpark cost, I believe, two hundred and forty million to, to build. I think that sounds right. Yeah. So, it, 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 Sky Dome cost how much when it was built in the eighties? Oh man, you're and that's in Canadian dollars, and I can't do that. Well, it was a, it was a lot. It was it was unbelievable the cost Correct. to build Sky Dome. Well, and that's when like Perot came in here in the AC, you know, ACC. AAC, AAC. AAC, building it over here. I mean, it was just to get in as more of a real estate venture. Yes. To get the stadium built and then have a multi-purpose, you know, complex around it. Right. More than it was. And and you knew you were going to sell it and move on. Yeah. So it's $570 million. Canadian. Sky Dome Canadian in the 80s. Correct. So imagine what that would have cost you in the early 90s. Correct. And, And think about what retractable roof stadium technology has become over the past 30 years since that emerged. You know, Skydome is basically a monolith with the way it operates oh, compared to right. uh, Chase Field, compared to what will be the situation, to Safeco, what will be the situation at, at Globe Life Field. Uh, you know, it, it's that, again, that's part of the technology that I'm talking about is all of that stuff has moved so far ahead that, you know, Skydome is, it was a pioneer, but mm-hmm. it's it's now also basically outdated. So that my my point is though is that you could make the argument oh this is a great stadium and we and, and how can you get rid of this but uh, you know we, we, it needs to have a shelf life like everybody else's it needs to last fifty years seventy five years all right all right another twenty five years so you'll be twenty five years down the road everybody will have a better stadium than you 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 won't have a stadium that has a history like Fenway Park or like or like old Yankee yeah. Stadium or Wrigley Field uh, which I assume that those will probably still be around. Uh, 
and and it'll be 150 degrees in that place. It's like you know someone asked Joey Gattle that question before the opener, and any about playing here for the last time, blah blah blah. And he goes, you know, we'd really like to send this stadium out the right way, and he says all the right things. And he goes, but it, it'll sure be nice to be playing with a roof over our heads. It's a little hot in here, you yeah. know, and and that's what. You know, people don't realize is that, all right, you can say this all you want to. It's a shame to let this stadium go. And I, I agree with that that standpoint. But you cannot make a decision for the long-term future of this franchise based on the fact that, well, the, it just wasn't very old, so we couldn't get rid of it. You know, that's I, I think that's a bad yeah. move. And, and and I really think, Evan, something you said I'll, I'll disagree with a little bit. I, I, I really think we're getting to the point where – you see a lot of these stadiums and all sports are turning over in about 30 years, about a 30-year lifespan. I don't think that's going to cut it anymore. I, I think the funds aren't going to be there. Uh, you've gotten to a price point uh, that, that's critical now where you're not going to continue to go up above that. So, and, and these architectural firms know this. They're tasked with, give me something that's going to last. I can't, I can't go 30 years. You need to build me something that's going to last 40, 45 years. How how do you design this? And I think that's what's going to happen because you're you're going to have more difficulty getting public funds to come in and do it. Uh, the price is to the point where the, the the ownership is not going to want to take on this debt load, and many can't. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, all this changes. But but I think it's actually going to go the other way. I think these. I I, I bet the new ballpark is going to stand much longer than the one you have right now. Well, better. Let's see. All right, that's going to do it for us for our uh, our baseball podcast, our Rangers podcast today. Because we got a uh, uh, football, we got a Cowboys podcast coming up, and we also have uh, Tim Brando uh, going to going to talk to him a little bit about the Final Four. He'll have a couple of opinions, don't you think? Uh, he usually does. Yeah, he does. Uh, so, from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.